Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, June 2nd. I'm Desiree Frazier, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, we talk with a Mississippi doctor working to make sense of long COVID. Then, a look at a project to help black Mississippians secure the rights to their ancestors' property. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. University of Mississippi Medical Center researchers are studying one of the pandemic's more confounding mysteries, long COVID. Dr. Galen Marshall is an immunologist at UMMC. I asked him what exactly is long COVID. I think everybody knows what COVID is by now. So you get uh, an infection. Uh, The typical symptoms are respiratory, cough, sneezing, runny nose, congestion, commonly loss of taste and or smell, fever that goes along with it. You're sick for a few days, and fortunately, the overwhelming majority of the population recovers fully. And indeed, having had that illness is probably giving you a level of protection against getting sick again. But in a percentage that is still being defined, and we used to think it was a very low number, We're now beginning to believe that it may be a very prominent number, up to one in four or one in three patients who get COVID will continue to have symptoms of some nature for 30 days or more after their initial uh, infection uh, manifests itself, their first day of symptoms. Again, maybe they continue, they can't smell Maybe they continue to have uh, uh, an intermittent fever. Maybe they continue to have a cough or difficulty breathing, when that happens, by definition, that person has long-haul COVID. Is it just a matter of their body is taking longer to recover than others? It's a wonderful question. We're not absolutely sure why many people will resolve their COVID promptly and fully and not have any more trouble with it unless a portion of them may be able to get COVID again later on. But again, typically, they recover after a few days to maybe a week or two at the most, and they go back to being normal. Why other people continue to have symptoms for a long period of time is unknown and is 
part of the reason why we're engaged in this intensive research study to understand what is the difference between individuals who develop long-haul COVID versus the COVID patients that completely resolve their illness in a matter of days to a couple of weeks. And tell us about the study. How long have you been engaged in this? So we started this study right after the first of the year. This is a, a National Institutes of Health study with the goal of enrolling about 17,000 individuals nationally that have had COVID, uh, and we'll talk about in a second, uh, some for controls that have not had COVID, and within those that have had COVID, those that would develop long COVID persistent symptoms versus those who had COVID year, year and a half ago, and have had uh, no trouble since then. And the individuals come to our research center and here at UMMC, and they enroll in the study, and they get, uh, we ask some questions of them, we do some examinations of their medical records to understand how, what their illness was like, we uh, take some blood samples from them, and then we uh, ask to be able to come back and talk to them again at various time points over the next four years to see how they do. Now, individuals who have long COVID, they're going to be quite motivated. They want to know, how can I get better? When am I going to get better? And so on. I want to be sure that it's clear this is not itself a treatment study. This is a study to understand what the illness is and its different manifestations and who's most susceptible. There is a treatment research study that's coming that will be up and active soon and we naturally will be looking at individuals that are better characterized to be part of that future treatment protocol. So it may interest people to be involved in the, in the recover study just because they would like to learn more about it and would like us for their friends and family uh, in the future that we could understand how to prevent it or at least how to minimize it. But then others that continue to have uh, these uh, symptoms, we will be going to people like them to actually enroll them in treatment protocols when they're up and active in the future. What would be the incentive since you're not providing treatment? Well, there's two incentives. Number one is the major incentive is that they're contributing to the body of knowledge that's going to help us be better equipped to treat perhaps them or a friend or a loved one in the future who either currently has long COVID or would be susceptible to possibly long-haul COVID in the future. And the second is, is that there is financial compensation that's in, that is there for the time and the effort that they're making to participate in their study. That there's actually a, it's not a salary, it is a, a financial appreciation for what they do. Separate from the research, Right now, how is long COVID being treated? The classic term that's used for this is supportive care. I'll give you an example. If someone develops a cough during their acute COVID infection, common problem, and the cough persists and they come to see their provider, there are certain specialists that specialize in cough management and then many primary care providers that know how to manage a cough as well. So you would manage the cough just like you would any other. 
if you had somebody who had a new onset heart problems associated with COVID, then the cardiologist would take care of those heart problems. At this moment, there is no specified therapy that says if you have long COVID, every patient with that, regardless of what is manifest, cardiac, lung, liver, whatever, we would treat them exactly the same way. That's not there yet. We're treating the specific end organ dysfunction that they have as a result of having long COVID. For those who have long COVID, are there symptoms that they experience that are different and you don't see in people who have COVID and get over it quicker? Yes, ma'am. There are three interesting symptoms that are commonly focused on in people with long COVID. One is the fancy term is neurocognitive dysfunction. What you'll hear people describe it as is brain fog. They have trouble concentrating. They can't seem to think straight. Uh, they, they have trouble balancing their checkbook, whereas before they wouldn't have trouble doing anything that's abstract there. The second one is a persistent debilitating fatigue. They're just so tired. They go to bed. They sleep all night. They wake up the next day, and they're still tired. They are not able to function optimally because of the fatigue that they have. Those two are very common in long COVID. And the third one that goes along with it is some form of shortness of breath. It may be that, you know, I normally could walk up and down two steps, two flights of stairs, and maybe I'm breathing a little heavy for a minute or so, but I go back to normal real quickly. And in these, some of these long COVID patients, many of these long COVID patients, if they try to walk up two flights of stairs, number one, they may not get up there because of shortness of breath. And number two is that if they do get up there, their their breathing difficulty lasts considerably longer than it would normally. So the brain fog, the persistent debilitating fatigue, and the shortness of breath are things that seem to be more commonly associated in patients with long COVID compared to COVID patients that recover fully from their illness. Are these folks with those specific symptoms able to hold down a job? Some of them have trouble holding down a job because, again, they, their their job may require a, an acuity or a, an awareness for safety reasons, for effectiveness reasons, that now they're just so tired and their brain is just so foggy that they can't do that. And I have personally in my clinics seen patients like this and have heard multitudes of stories of people that actually end up being disabled because of the symptoms of long COVID. They can't think straight. They have no physical stamina because they get out of breath too quickly. And if they sit still for very long, they fall asleep in the chair. Those are debilitating problems that can have a dire impact on daily life for these folks. Would that lead to, I would think, the need for mental health care? Well, in some instances, certainly, our mental health professionals are very intimately engaged in the care of our patients, not only for the actual depressive and anxiety-related disorders that can come from that, but, uh, but just the idea of coping strategies, uh, something called cognitive behavior therapy, which is, in essence, helping people become more aware of their setting and then have better control over altering it. Yes, we could not begin to help these patients without the input and cooperation of our mental health professional colleagues.
Dr. Galen Marshall is an immunologist at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Coming up, a look at a project to help black Mississippians secure the rights to their ancestors' property. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Nonprofit law firm, the Mississippi Center for Justice, is working to help black farmers secure ownership of their ancestors' land. Recently, Walmart.org Center for Racial Justice awarded the firm a $400,000 grant to aid the effort. Attorney Andrea Barnes is director of the Ayers Property Project at the center. She speaks with MPB's Michael Guidry. When a person dies without a will, uh, in Mississippi, the the legal terminology is is that they die intestate. Just simply means they die without a will. Uh, The state laws of intestate succession actually determine who inherits the property. So as it relates to the property, what happens is you have a family uh, that failed to either take the property through probate court to settle title to the property, and ultimately the land just continued to pass down informally from generation to generation. Quite honestly, what happens is when you fail to plan, and when I say fail to plan, I just simply mean estate planning where you, you have a will um, that will state what you own and uh, during your lifetime and who that goes to in terms of your beneficiaries, then state law has to make the determination with heirs' property because a person died without a will, the land just kind of informally, you know, passed from generation to generation. What we've seen in reference to why the heirs' property quagmire uh, exists is that I think it's a cultural thing. Uh, it's one of the reasons that um, you have in the African-American community uh, a number of individual families who not um, – uh, had wills drafted. And I think families just thought, well, if I do nothing, I know they'll stay in the family. That's true. However, I don't think they were, they knew or, or you know, or, or had the education and knowledge to know that although it stays in the family, what issues come with heirs' property and it not being sole ownership and it being an informal transference of, of ownership. What challenges do uh, farmers that are caught up in the dilemma of heirs' property. What challenges do they face, and how can the project and this grant help them? So, in terms of uh, the farmers who are uh, uh, will benefit from the uh, funding from uh, Walmart in reference to our project, a lot of the challenges that farmers face are atypical of you know any other heirs' property land owner in that you know with without sole ownership, it's difficult oftentimes to qualify for uh, governmental assistance to help, you know, uh, manage and operate and, uh, you know, uh, purchase equipment or do various things that farmers would need to do on their farm farming business in order to, uh, you know, sustain and, and, and make a profit. And so one of the things uh, that we seek to do with help of the funding from Walmart is we provide uh, not only direct legal assistance, where um, we assist these farmers in clearing the title to their their property. And so ultimately what that means is the the, the property will no longer be in the name of the deceased, 
uh, family owner, uh, uh, the, the, the deceased original owner, but it would then be in the current uh, living heirs. But not only do we help them with clearing the title to the property, which then ultimately would open the door, um, so to speak, for them to then uh, be eligible to receive uh, funding, um, and loans and the like in, in reference to the, the farming business, but we also seek to assist farmers with um, education and outreach and understanding what heirs' property is, how to avoid it. And so we uh, will additionally assist uh, farmers with employing estate planning tools, and we actually will also host or provide, you know, Will's Clinics in an effort um, to help avoid, um, you know, the farmers from, again, facing the this heir's property issue. Um, we actually have a Will's Clinic that will take place this Friday um, in Hines County at the uh, Mississippi Urban League's office because this cl- clinic is, is hosted um, by the Mississippi Center for Justice and the Mississippi Urban League. Uh, in addition to it being a Will's Clinic, it's also going to be an expungement clinic, so persons can actually come from 11 to 3 on this particular day and have a will drafted, notarized, and and witnessed by the two witnesses um, and, and leave with a valid will. And so we seek to not only provide that direct legal assistance in terms of, you know, legal action, a direct legal action that's going to clear um, the title to the property, um, but we also seek to educate and provide those estate planning tools such as uh, wills and, and, and having and hosting the wills clinics. There is a gap between black families and white families. Uh, How does this dilemma play into that wealth gap? What role does it play? How does it either continue it or exacerbate it? And how do you anticipate closing the gap? This particular project seeks to, you know, help reduce uh, or, and, and definitely not widen, continue to widen the gap. I think if heirs' property is left unchecked and, and unresolved, then, you know, the, the problem will continue and it would just, I think the wealth gap, you know, make, could potentially uh, widen, you know, without these things being resolved. One of the things I think because heirs' property issues um, can actually complicate, you know, the effective management operation and sustainability of, you know, of a farm. Because of that, black farmers are not only in danger of losing their land to potentially tax sales or, you know, somebody purchasing a single interest or a partition suit. It's really more difficult for these individual heirs to use the land as collateral. And so it then, of course, goes back to, you know, whether or not they're eligible uh, for a range of governmental programs at the local, county, state, and federal levels. And so, with you know, this particular project seeks to assist these landowners with being able to uh, use the land as an asset. And the way in which they're able to do that is, one, once we clear title and help them clear title to the property, um, then they're able to, you know, use the land as an asset. One of the things we find is that we find a lot of people are land rich and, you know, cash poor. And quite honestly, without the pro bono services that the center the Mississippi Center for Justice provides, they will be unable to afford the services of an attorney to even, you know, do the work to clear title. So, you know, we're excited that this particular project will continue to help uh, reduce this wealth gap and give Mississippians and definitely Mississippi farmers an opportunity um, to, you know, uh, this once, you know, cherished family land will then now become a, you know, a source of family wealth potentially rather than be lost or deemed worthless because you can't really do anything with it uh, with heirs' property issues lingering, you know, over the property. 
Andrea Barnes is director of the Ayers Property Project at the Mississippi Center for Justice. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stick around for a full morning of Mississippi Radio. Coming up at 9, it's Creature Comforts. Then at 10, it's Auto Correct. And at 11, don't miss Southern Remedy. Find past installments of this and other Think Radio shows online at mpbonline.org. I'm Desiree Frazier. Join us tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi Edition only on MPB Think Radio. Have a great day.